Thanks, Mike. Well, good morning. My name's Al, if I haven't met you yet. Uh, and I'm a member here at Vine Church, member of the 11 o'clock congregation. Uh, we're about to, give a, uh, about to have a Bible talk on prayer. So how about we pray that God would help us to understand. Lord God, we ask now, please, uh, that you help us to understand uh, and to see Jesus' teaching about the how and why of prayer, to see that with fresh eyes. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine, uh, Steve McAlpine, stayed uh, at our place for the weekend. He had a free day on Saturday. And uh, I said to him, what are you going to do today, mate? And he was really excited because he was going to go and see the Sydney Opera House. He's from Perth. Big day out, caught the train in, walked all around the Opera House, thought it was wonderful. He was really excited. Now, the good news is for us, uh, I checked on Google Maps, the Opera House is only uh, three kilometres away. You could walk there in about 40 minutes. And so um, I thought maybe after lunch, we might all get together and walk down to the Opera House and have a look. What, What do you think? Not a lot of excitement. Why would it be so exciting for Steve and not for us? Well, like, it's just the Opera House is there all the time and we're all familiar with it and been there, done that, and familiarity, well, let's not say familiarity breeds contempt, but it can breed lack of excitement. Well, I'm about to give a, a Bible talk on perhaps the most famous prayer ever prayed on planet Earth. Uh, it's only 63 words, but pretty much, you know, everyone in the country's heard of it, or 63 words in English, 57 words in the Greek New Testament, if you're a Bible college student. Yes, I did translate it. Okay. So what's he going to say that's new or fresh on the Lord's Prayer? Actually, I've been thinking, I'll tell you what might be different. Almost every prayer I've ever, sorry, almost every Bible talk I've ever heard about prayer has made me feel guilty. You might be the same, like, do you pray enough? Hmm? All right. So I thought, okay, how about I aim to give a Bible talk that doesn't make you feel guilty about prayer? And how can I do that? I'll tell you why, because it's exactly how Jesus teaches about prayer. You read Jesus' words about prayer, he's not trying to make you feel guilty, he just wants you to pray. Okay. All right, so this is the last of um, seven weeks as we've been working our way through this series on prayer about people in the Bible and their prayers. Now, <clears throat> prayer can be kind of... I don't know, difficult or frustrating. In fact, sometimes, I've got to fess up, sometimes it feels for me a little bit like those traffic light buttons. You know, like you, you bang them to get their lights to change. Kathy Stewart and I have been in debate for years over this because I think the traffic light thing, it's not even hooked up. It's just something to do while you wait. Okay, they put it there. <laughs> Kathy believes they are, but I've now done the research. You may think, Al, you've got too much time on your hands, but I did the research, so here we go. Um, 2018 City Morning Herald, Nigel Gladstone, and what he says is this, since 1994, all intersections across the Sydney CBD have been automated in their pedestrian phases for about 12 hours a day, Monday to Saturday. Um, But on Sunday, button bashing is useful and will affect how long it takes to legally cross the road. So there you go. Uh, Is prayer like that? It just kind of make, makes you feel better, but it doesn't... Do, Jesus said, no. Prayer actually changes things. Prayer changes the world because God listens. Um, 
James, who Jesus' half-brother, who wrote the letter at the end of the New Testament, says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Prayer changes things. And maybe even more importantly, prayer is actually, I think, one of the, the clearest examples of faith or trust in God put into practice, that you bring your requests and what you want to the God who will listen. Okay, so as we come to um, what Jesus teaches, we're looking at, um, Mike just read for us, a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, that's Matthew chapter 5 through to 7, another very famous you know, passage of the Bible. Jesus teaches with great economy of words. The Sermon on the Mount is only 112 sentences. You can read the whole thing in 10, 12 minutes. And he teaches in chapter 6 about uh, how to pray if you're a follower of Jesus. Now, if you're, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, God, God knows when you pray, but God does promise to listen to people who belong to Jesus, who trust him in a special way. So what is it that Jesus says? Well, have a, a look. Uh, how not to pray part one, how not to pray part two, and then how to pray. Right? So, uh, how not to pray, part one. He says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So in a religious society like like the first century where Jesus was, people would stand on a corner and pray so that others would think well of them, but really they're just play acting. Uh, Jesus' word for that is hypocrisy. My guess is today we'd use the word uh, virtue signalling. Okay, And Jesus is saying, if you do that to be seen by others, you've got your reward, which is what? You've been seen by others. Uh, Jesus' answer, how to fix that, how to get your heart right before God, he says this, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. So um, secrecy, safeguards, sincerity. Want to get your heart right before God? Just between you and him. Um, what's interesting to note is he doesn't say go into the temple, the holy of holies, the church building. There's no more holy places. Okay, It's between you and God and your heart. Pray to God, your Father, who sees what's done in secret. And he'll reward you. I think it's saying he'll listen. God listens. All right. How not to pray part two. Um, verse, here we go, verse seven. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus says, don't go on repeating mindless babbling phrases or mantras or whatever. Why? It's not how you relate to a person, especially a person who knows you. And God knows what you need before you ask him. You think, well, why pray? Well, like I said, prayer is an acknowledgement of dependence on God. Prayer changes things. But do note, he says, it doesn't say God knows what you want before you ask him. God knows what you need before you ask him. And um, <clears throat> what we want and what we need aren't always the same thing. Okay. All right, so then how should we pray? Uh, Jesus says this, this then is how you should pray. And I don't think this is the prayer necessarily to repeat again and again. You kind of, he just said don't do that. But it's a, a template or a model for how you'll pray. And there's a couple of things to, to note. 
It's really simple. Jesus says, when you pray, you pray in words. You might think, thank you, Captain Obvious, but it's not. People will, some people say, oh, what you've got to do is blend into God, or you've got to have this mystical experience, or you've got to leave your rationality behind. No, Jesus just says, you talk to God, it's rational and relational, you talk to a personal God. Now, how do you do that? Well, you, you can pray within, in your mind, God knows our hearts, or you can pray out loud, or there's one of my mates, um, uh, he journals, he actually writes out his prayers because it, it helps him to not be distracted, okay? And you could also look back at the things that you've prayed about in the past. So the other thing to note is there's no special times, okay? Prayers, does, God's not more likely to answer you before sunrise, okay? No special times, no special places, no special body positions. Stand, sit, lie, no, it's just, it's because you belong to Jesus that God will hear. Now, you can pray about anything. Right? In, in um, uh, the Apostle Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but bring your prayers and requests to God. I know there's a temptation, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, shopping list prayers are second rate. No, they're not. Um, that means just like asking God for a list of things. Now, Kathy and I went shopping uh, yesterday to, um, to Coles, and we took a shopping list with us, okay? Um, Actually, she wanted, uh, Kathy wanted chicken fillets and eggs. And if you're wondering about the great philosophical question, the chicken came first, then the eggs, okay? But why do we go there? Well, I'll tell you why, because Coles has what we need. And so you think, oh, it's just a shopping list asking God for things. Yeah, that's right. It's what faith or trust in God's about. You can pray about anything. Um, I pray for parking spaces, and God always answers me. Sometimes God says, okay, here's one straight away. And often he says, well, time to learn some patience, isn't it? So we drive round and round and practice being patient, but I always get an answer. Remember I said about prayers, talks on prayer making you feel guilty. How does this uh, quote from Martin Luther, the great reformer, say, um, affect you? I am so busy now that if I don't spend three hours each day in prayer, I could not get through the day. I... <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, you know, three hours just makes me feel guilty, really. And notice how different, I mean, Martin Luther, great, love your work, all that stuff, but notice how different is the way that Jesus teaches about prayer? Because when Jesus teaches about prayer, well, three ways that he kind of encourages us to pray. First of all, it's short, 63 words in English, it's short. And secondly, simple. Now, we'll see... Each of those, the things in the Lord's Prayer are just profound and deep. But the Lord's Prayer is so simple, a child can pray it, okay? You can memorise it. It's short, it's simple, um, and... Oh, one minute. Sorry, forgot to um, turn this off. Um, here we go. Oh. Can you hear that? Yeah. Anyone pick that song? Brown Eyed Girl, well done. Um, that's actually the ringtone for my uh, oldest daughter. She's got beautiful chocolate brown, uh, you know, club chocolate eyes and has had from the, the moment she was born. Beautiful. 
Uh, wait, let me just try and turn this thing off here. Um, wait right a minute. Um, oh. Brian Cad wrote that song, Little Road Sunshine, way back in 1970. And our, our second daughter, I love her so much, but boy is she feisty. And she would fire up as a little girl, especially a teenager. And when she would fire up, we would call her the Little Ray of Sunshine. And that's why it didn't calm her down, but it was fun. Um, yeah, wait a minute, I'll get this, uh, uh, wait a minute, here we go, um, hmm, ah, anyone ZZ Top fan? Every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed man, absolutely, and that just happens to be the ringtone for our son. Um, if you know my son, you know that was not chosen at random. And of course, our youngest daughter, um, that would be Guns N' Roses' sweet child of mine. And she is my sweet child. I love her dearly. But yeah, actually, I, it just occurs to me, I have four different ringtones for my four kids. Now, why would I have that? Well, I'm their father. And I love them more than they know. And I love it when they want to talk to me. And so it does not matter where my phone is, if it's in my pocket or upside down or wherever it is, if one of those ringtones ring, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, Zoom call, I'll pick it up straight away. And if you ring, you'll get the standard ringtone, which is Van Halen jump, okay, and I might answer the phone. But boy, if one of those four rings, straight through. Oh, by the way, Kathy has her own ringtone, but you have to ask her what that is, okay? <laughs> she might tell you. But why, now, because why, I love my kids, and I'm a very ordinary father. Right? I'm grumpy sometimes, I'm half deaf other times, or asleep, or I don't listen. Or whatever. Can you imagine, if you belong to Jesus, have you ever thought that the God of the universe, who hears and knows and controls everything, loves you as a father? And he really, really wants you to talk to him. And so when you pray, you belong to Jesus. When you pray, it is as if you have your own ringtone with God. And God will say, oh, that's... And grab the phone and listen and act. That's what, and that's exactly what Jesus says. God, your Father, wants to hear from you. And so why is Jesus teaching about prayer? Not about giving guilt. It's short, it's simple, and it's personal. See what he says about this then is how you should pray? This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Um, I don't know what your human father is like, was like, but if you look at what, if you want to know what real fatherhood should be, it's how Jesus reveals God, his father. Um, and if you belong to Jesus, you can call him father too. In fact, um, it's more intimate than that. When Jesus prays, he calls God Abba, father. Um, Abba is a really intimate word, like it's like almost like daddy or, or you know, pa, apa. Um, and the Apostle Paul says in, in his letters to the Romans and Galatians that Christians can pray that too because of the work of God's Spirit. Uh, let me show you the word for father. Um, it's intimate and tender, yes, but father carries a little more in the New Testament maybe than in our culture. Let me read to you from um, Frederick Dale Brunner, who's a theologian, and his words on this part of Matthew. He says this, Abba is the word of love and affection. 
It is the most warm of Aramaic words for father. At the same time, the word father carries stronger connotations of authority than we today associate with the word. The father was the one responsible for the child. He was not only the child's friend, he was the child's progenitor, guardian, provider and lord. The word therefore has elements of strength in it beyond its more obvious elements of tenderness. And so God the Father, the one who provides, guards, guides, disciplines, trains and loves. Now, then Jesus says his model for prayer is six short uh, petitions, six short things that we ask God. Uh, each of these is actually kind of unlocks a major theme in the Bible. Um, all we've got time is to kind of drive by and wave, okay? I'll just, just kind of pick a couple of things um, as we go past. All right, first one, um, petition one. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we don't use the word hallowed in ordinary language. What does it mean? It means to make holy, um, separate, special, different, carefully regarded, that, that people will treat God's name in the right way. Now, the way it's written in the original language, it's, it's a thing called the divine passive, which is the idea of let this happen is a way of asking God to do it. So when you pray the Lord's Prayer, hallowed, but you're asking God that God would make his name to be treated as holy, special, separate, different, that God would regard, that people would regard God properly. Because a name's more than just a label. A name's everything about a person, isn't it? So that God, people would treat God in the right way and not use his name as an expletive. And then the next one, when you look at our world, you know, and, and I don't know, you look at a, a news website or whatever it is you see, just a world full of, sadness and sorrow and cruelty and violence and greed and the list goes on and and sickness a couple of weeks ago I said I knew I, I had six people that I cared about who had cancer uh, it's up to eight now they just it, it never stops but what does Jesus say to pray your kingdom come what does that mean do you know that is the thing as, as you read the teachings of Jesus more than anything else that he's excited about Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. I've done a search, I've counted. It's just over a hundred times that Jesus speaks about that in the Gospels. And what's he teaching? He taught the kingdom of God would come, people knowing God through his king, Jesus, and would begin small like a mustard seed, that men and women would come to know him, and, and that would grow, and it has. Now, the, the, church, the churches and the kingdom of God are not the same thing, the stats say this Sunday around planet Earth, there's more than a billion people will meet in churches. So it's growing. And then when the kingdom fully comes and, and Jesus return, creation will be transformed. There'll be no more mourning or crying or pain or sadness. Um, Peter Jensen um, uh, uh, spoke um, in the ABC Boyer Lectures in 2005 and, and his last lecture he spoke about the kingdom of God. Let me read you these words, they're great. He says this, And what did he, Jesus, say about the coming kingdom? The picture that Jesus painted of the end involved the great things that we would all probably long for, the defeat of evil and the triumph of good, the death of death 
a future of justice and yet forgiveness, intense, overflowing human happiness and joy. He called the coming kingdom a banquet, a wedding, a feast, a resurrection, a robust and loving community in which every tear would be wiped away and we would live joyously as we were meant to under the rule of the Father God. And Jesus is saying, pray, ask that God would, would bring that. And then perhaps in the meantime, the next one, he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wonder if that's saying, yes, the kingdom is coming, but God have mercy on our world, the people that treat each other the right way. In the very next chapter, Jesus says, it's very simple really, in everything you do, do to others, sorry, we can say again, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. I think that would change our world. Just treat other people the way you'd want to be treated. Transform the place overnight. We're asking that God might do that in our world. So the first three petitions, God and his name, the way that people regard and treat him, um, God's kingdom would come, and then obedience to him. And then the next three are really about us. Um, give us today our daily bread. And in the Bible, bread pretty much covers everything we need materially. We still talk about putting bread on the table, etc. So to pray that God would provide for us. Um, it's easy to forget that when the pantry is full, okay, or it's just an app on the phone and some nice young guy delivers Uber Eats, whatever it is. Easy to forget. And yet uh, we need to remember that. And in our world, even today, even in our own country, there are some people that live hand to mouth. We need to remember that God is the one who meets our needs. And then petition five, so that's that we'd be physically provided for. The next two are about our spiritual life. Jesus says there to pray and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. <sighs> um, what to say in a few sentences. When someone wrongs you, it is a sense in which they're in your moral debt. And when we've done the wrong thing before God, we're in God's debt. In Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer in chapter 11, Luke just uses the word sins. Now, when someone wrongs you and they are in your debt, you can collect the debt by punishing them back. Or you can forgive them. And to forgive is to say, I won't punish you back. I'll absorb that wrong. Okay. Now that, that costs, that hurts. It's hard to do. And of course the, the beating heart of the Christian faith is that God, who needs to be just, can forgive us because God's absorbed that wrong or paid that debt in the person of his son. Jesus died in our place so that we can be forgiven. And Jesus is saying here, ask that God would forgive. And if, you, if you'll trust Jesus... Absolutely, God will forgive us. It's not the same as saying it never happened, and it's not the same as saying there's no consequences. It's saying, I won't punish you back. I'll absorb the wrong. But there's a sharp edge there. Notice the second half of that. Please, God, forgive us. Yep. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Uh, Please, God, forgive me the way I forgive other people is a loaded thing to pray. Uh, If you've got the Bible, you notice verses 14 and 15, Jesus says... If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So 
There's a sharp edge there, saying if you want forgiveness, you've got to be ready to give it to other people. Now, verse 12 and 13 are, if you like, about an awareness of, of sin and broken relationships and, and kind of looking back. And then, and then the last petition, um, verse 13, is about looking forward. So spiritually healthy looking back and then looking forward. So um, verse 13, Jesus says, uh, where are we here? And, yep, no, sorry, get him back. 13, yep. So Jesus then, the last, the last um, petition, um, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, the word there for temptation uh, in the original language is perasmos, and it can mean temptation or it can mean testing. And you can kind of see that, so there's only the one word in the, in the original. We've got two words in English, tempting and temp, um, tempting and testing okay you can see how with with obedience to God there's an overlap you know am I there's a, a temptation to do the wrong thing or am I being tested about whether I'll trust God or not James Jesus brother says very clearly God doesn't tempt people right? when tempted no one should say God is tempting me for God uh, cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone God you know God's not enticing you to disobey him but it is possible that God, or well, God does put us into, um, uh, will test our faith, will make us learn patience, will grow our faith by testing us. So maybe lead us not into, into testing that's too hard might be a better translation. I think what Jesus is saying here is to pray that God would not lead us into testing that's too hard for us, and that he'd deliver us from, well, you can either be the evil one or just evil. In the original, you can't, it's a matter of judge, a judgment call. But I think he's saying at the end, please keep us spiritually safe. That's what I think he's saying. Pray for that. And then, um, you know how uh, the Lord's Prayer sometimes ends with, um, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yeah? Okay, that was why. Okay, ready? Oh, let's try again. Um, for you know how the, at the end sometimes the Lord's Prayer says, uh, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yes. Ah, well done. Okay, good. Uh, they're great words and you can finish the Lord's Prayer that way, but they're probably not in the original of Matthew. Okay, so they've been added to some manuscripts later. Um, they're good. Just uh, if it's not in your Bible in Matthew, it's because they've been really careful to get the original. All right, so where are we? Here's the Lord's Prayer. And you notice, do you notice how Jesus teaches people to pray? It's really short, it's really simple, and it's really personal. Not feeling guilty, just, hey, how good is this? Because what is, what is the Lord's Prayer? That God would um, make his name to be treated as holy or special, that God would bring his kingdom, that people would treat each other God's way, that God would provide for our physical needs, Looking back, that God would grant us forgiveness and looking forward, that God would keep us spiritually safe. And I reckon a good way to finish uh, on that is uh, we might pray the Lord's Prayer together. Okay? So I'll give you a moment to think uh, and then we'll pray this prayer together and at the end we'll just say Amen rather than that other ending. Okay? <coughs> Thank you.
Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen.